The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And welcome to episode number 127 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all the gaming industry. With me, I have Adam Candy. I have Brad Allen from across the pond over there if you want to follow them on Twitter. And you should. It's free at Brad Allen NFL at Adam Candy. That's two E's, no Y. If you hate yourself, you can follow me at Matt Brown M2. Go ahead, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe, rate, review. We do appreciate all of that from you guys. We'll talk about Florida. We'll talk about Nevada. But let's go ahead and let's kick things off here. Um, Some big news being made by... One Brad Allen, who uh, went ahead and uh, did some did some digging into some of the stuff that came out of what was this a a just a a speaking engagement or what, what, where did this come from? Yeah, it was just um, can accord genuity, just a standard investor day. I think um, you know a load of companies, little fireside chat type business. So what did, what was the, I mean, of course there's one major, major takeaway that got a lot of legs within the sports betting industry. Um, let's talk about that first and then we'll go from there. Well, so Mr. Robbins there, I mean, he, he, talk, he talked about it twice. Um, this, you know, the, I think the, the, the headline quote was, this is an entertainment product. If you're doing this for profit, you are not a player we want. Um, and then earlier in the same same call, he was talking about sort of bonus hunters and basically said, you know, we don't want these customers either or people shopping for the best price. Um, and obviously everyone kind of knows this, like, you know, anyone that knows the betting industry knows all these sports books. They don't really want anyone actually trying to win money long term. Like you, you'll get up chopped off pretty quick. But to hear someone actually come out and say it, um, you know, it, it riled a lot of people up because I think the point of sports betting for a lot of people and maybe even more so in the US is it's aspirational right most people place a bet because they think it's a good bet not you know not just for entertainment I'll tell you a good chunk of people placing that bet think you know they're going to win it um, so to be told that if if you do win you can't play anymore um, you know that's 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 seen as unfair uh, to a lot of people um, and then just quickly I mean Robbins Jason Robbins he was on um it was on CNBC today saying actually those quotes were taken out of context, um, which I, I personally don't agree with. Um, you know, you can go and read the entire transcript and, and see if it's taken out of context. Um, you know, I, th- I think he probably was taken aback at the backlash and, and he, he changed it, tweaked it slightly saying we don't want professional betters rather than we don't want you trying to make a profit, which, um, yeah, similar message, but slightly different, slightly more uh, acceptable, I guess. 
So, Adam, I mean, that's probably what he meant in the first go round anyway, but but definitely probably misspoke or or whatever didn't convey the the message here. Uh, Because, I mean, listen, it's kind of like Brad said, everybody knows the what goes on behind the scenes, which is, yeah, I mean, professionals and the guys that are out there arbitraging and the guys that are out there, you know, basically scraping all the lines and every time it hits a certain number and, you know, they're firing, you know, all over the place, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're not really the target uh, customer of pretty much any sports book, but certainly not the, the recreational sports books. Yeah. And I understand where we're coming from here, but the other piece of this equation that, um, that stands out to me is if you understand the roots of DraftKings and FanDuel from the DFS days, um, you know, the, the idea that they don't want people who are professionals, they don't want people who are who are in this thing for money is is interesting. Let's just put it that way uh, and kind of leave that hanging for a second. But to come back to the overall point, whether whether Jason Robbins misspoke about what DraftKings wants or not, I think what we have to keep in mind is the greater picture here, which is DraftKings stock is tanking. Uh, here at the moment. Uh, it's down below $30. And all of these statements have coincided with Jason Robbins in some way trying to uh, assuage the concerns of investors and say, no, no, we're going to be profitable. We're going to make money. And going as far today as saying, we're not focused on short sellers. We're focused on true believers. Uh, true believers, I thought was a very interesting choice of, of phrasing. So, you know, <sighs> It, it's something that I think the comment about making a profit obviously grabbed a lot of headlines, drew a lot of attention. Uh, we knew that it would. Um, and you know, that's probably a, a broader fight for another day in the sports betting industry. More apt to today, uh, you know, it's a concern for DraftKings in terms of getting its stock ship turned around. So, Brad, when we when we look at some of the other stuff that came out of this call and we can circle back to to this as well, what were some of the what were some of the other things that really stood out to to you? Well, I think what's really quite interesting and, you know, a lot of people have reached out about this um, is if you if you think back to the start of the NFL season, um, DraftKings did take a little bit of a change in tack. Like they, they were, they did up limits for sharp players. They did go up earlier with prop offerings. They were going up on like Tuesday or Wednesday ahead of FanDuel and they were taking, you know, good limits on that. And they, they won some plaudits for that. And um, I, I think the read through there was that the margin, it, it went down, their hold rate went down. And I, I think this recent, you know, the, these comments are a sign that they've, they've stopped that, they've given that up, right? They, they did try this, you know, you want to call it the circle model, the pinnacle model of of taking more bets, of, of laying bigger bets to, to high rollers and, and sharps. And they, they found they didn't like it, essentially. And and now you see the FanDuel is going up again first with props and, and, and that kind of thing. So um, I think it's quite interesting that I think there is genuinely been they tried it and they pivoted back because it's not worked. So uh, I wonder if their hold improves, you know, in Q4, perhaps. So, Adam, one of the other things I think that, you know, you and you and I and Dustin have talked about this uh, a ton. Right. I think uh, if you kind of read, but I mean, that maybe not necessarily read between the lines here, but if you just kind of do look long game here, one of the things we've always talked about with with all of this, with any of these companies. Now, this isn't this isn't specific to DraftKings. This is specific to 
any of the companies that are in the space right now that the the long game here is always and has always been casino and that, you know, the sports betting is just a little bit more palatable to the lawmakers as we sit right now here in 2021. But look, the conversation will come up and it will come up early and often. I imagine, you know, in 2022, 2023, 2024, whatever it might be of getting, you know, online casino up and going. And that's where that's the end game for all of these for all these people. Sure. It's obviously higher margin. It's a different, you know, it can be a different player, it can be the same player, but uh, it's obviously if you get that player who is a crossover to both, then it's, it's enormous for them. What you, um, what you referenced there in terms of 2023, 2024, I think is the really interesting part of this because the, you know, it used to be, it's a DFS company in the long game is sports betting. Now the company is a sports betting company and the long game is casino. And when you, when you look at DraftKings, FanDuel, you have companies that are going to be competing in that online casino area with the legacies like MGM and Caesars. But in order for it to really take off, sports betting is going to have to be palatable on a broader scale than it is right now. And I think that's when we talk about the ad wars and all this, all the TV blitz that people are seeing here. You know. Lawmakers and regulators are still getting their heads around what having sports betting in their state means in the first place, let alone broadening the offering out to online casino, which for a lot of them is a lot harder to get to. You get a lot hard, closer to people's fears of click a mouse, lose your house. So that sort of thing still requires a lot of kid glove handling. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say we've had a lot of kid gloves this week. Uh, this isn't in the rundown, but Adam, I just kind of want to branch off of one of the things that you just kind of talked about right there. And this is anecdotally for me, and I'm, I certainly want your opinion. And then even Brad's from a different perspective here, but so the, the advertising stuff that's going on right now here, I don't really compare it to what we got from the DFS standpoint when we had just that ridiculous that ridiculous blitz of the DFS stuff that was going on back in the day. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just the, the way these commercials are presented. Like some of them are just, you know, it's, you know, the JB smooth stuff with, with Caesars and him just kind of like trying to be more funny with the stuff. And then the different, I don't know the, I guess where I'm getting with this is the ads don't bother me. Like the, the DFS ads, like when that stuff was going on back in the day, like that bothered me. And it was like really, really, not only annoying, but just the way that the the commercials were presented and things like that were super, super bad to me in basically all aspects. But um, I don't know the, the stuff that's going up right now. And maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm just uh, immune to it or something or whatever. But I don't know. What, what, what's your opinion? It doesn't bother me. What, what's going on right now? I think they learned some lessons in terms of how the advertising is structured. I think if you look back at the 2015 DFS ad blitz, you see a lot of very clear messaging of this is your chance to take a little bit of money and get really rich. It was designed to appeal to the younger male crowd to say, come on, just get involved in these contests and you're going to win. And we all knew you know, that's not going to happen for the broad majority of people who get involved in this. So now the ads, I think, are less like that. And they are more of uh, Caesar and Carl. Oh my God, those ads are terrible. Um, <laughs> but, um, but beyond that, um, you know, I think it's a broader based sort of appeal that that they're shooting for. Just try, hey, just come download the app, give it a shot, try it out, blah blah blah. Yeah, 
I think that is going to be more understandable for a lot of people. I still think, though, the volume of all of it in the end is still going to be something that if you don't really know the difference between Caesars and DraftKings and FanDuel and MGM and you know anybody else that you see an ad for, you might just say, why have I been seeing ads for sports books all day long? And if you're someone who's not a, you know, not a sports better, then maybe that jumps out at you. But I'll, I'll be very curious to hear Brad's perspective, uh, you know, from the UK, having already gone through many of the trials and tribulations that we're talking about here. Yeah. So, Brad, obviously, you've you're you've lived through all the stuff that had to happen over there. And now what is like, what is the difference between where we, where you were, you know, whenever you flipped on a television, let's call it, you know, seven or eight years ago as to where you are now. Yeah. Well, there's still ads, um, you know, like a lot of football shirts, a lot of, you know, sponsorship boards that there's still a load of ads for sports betting. Um, obviously the, the talking point for a, you know, a few months now, few months now has been will the US have the same kind of backlash that we had where you know the media starts picking up the stories and everyone gets very angry with the gambling industry and you know there's a big regulatory pushback and I'm actually starting to lean the other way that that's probably not going to happen um so I mean one is the fact that like the NFL this week they had that they had an anti-gambling ad or not anti-gambling and like responsible gambling advert Mm. um so you know they are getting a little bit out ahead of it um all, all these operators are talking about it. They're aware of what's happened. So I don't think they would repeat that mistake. And then the last thing is that, you know, I think there's a column in the Atlantic this week talking about like the, the U S approach to big business, just generally being more liberal, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a big, if you're making money for the government, for the state government and for big business, you're kind of more left to your own devices with like, you know, whether that's fast food or whether that's um, like medicine or whatever, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit more leave it alone. Um, so I feel like if, if the operators do learn some of the lessons and, and they're definitely all aware of it, then um, I think there might not be the same backlash that some people expect. Adam, I'd uh, circle back to kind of what you said. I think that it's a pretty good point that you made. And I honestly think that that's probably a lot that has to do with it was there's there's not really any of the stuff that we're seeing here. None of it's like the get rich quick stuff. Right. I mean, it's just more of the, hey, here's, you know, here, here's a free contest or here's a free this or here's whatever. And or just give this a whirl or, you know, or it's sitting around the table with with the Mannings and which, by the way, I actually love at the end when they go and you're Cooper. Right. Like that's actually hilarious. Like, I, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think think the direction at least right now by all of the companies like i don't think any of the companies are doing anything egregious right now i think all of them maybe did learn some lessons not only from the uk or whatever but maybe learn some lessons from the dfs stuff from uh from a few years ago and i think they're all going about it fairly fairly good right now yeah and i i understand that it's still a business you still have to get the message across that we want you to play like it's not you know we're not trying to live inside a bubble here and, you know, and parse little details that we know the average football fan isn't parsing. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I do think it's a really clear distinction when you're not seeing guys holding giant checks at parties in Miami with white leather sofas. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing instead, you know, um, whether it's Martin Lawrence or, you know, James Harrison tackling some dude or whatever it is, you know, it's something that I think more people can swallow. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. I didn't mean to get off on a tangent there. It was just you'd brought it up, and I, I thought it was interesting because we're since we are you know well into a football season of of the ads and getting ads and things like that. I was curious to the to what you thought is and as well as what Brad thought about everything. Uh, Adam, let's talk a little bit about uh, Florida and what's going on over there. Another day, another filing. I will not. <laughs> uh, I will not sing. That would not be good for the podcast metrics, but. Yeah. Um, so once we got through last week, which was, of course, uh, the ruling that the compact needs to be vacated between the Seminole tribe and the state of Florida, that uh, it violates the uh, Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. We got the expected filings back now from both sides uh, in the appeal. Um, you know, what we're ch- we had one request for a stay. That was denied. That is now moved over to the D.C. Court of Appeals. We have a request for a stay there. We are waiting for the disposition of that. Meanwhile, I guess the interesting part is that, uh, you know, Hard Hard Rock still has sports betting available in Florida. Uh, And so, you know, I think we're kind of waiting to see what the outcome of that ultimately is before uh, we know what the next steps are. But I also think one thing we haven't talked about that's interesting is the longer this draws out, the longer we have to go through this process, the closer we get to the November 2022 election and this massive push that FanDuel and DraftKings are doing on the ballot initiative to try to get into the market, to try to give themselves a place uh, alongside Hard Rock without having to go through all of the hoops uh, with the Seminole Tribes exclusivity. So you know, I think what will be interesting is to see, Depending on how long this draws out in court and, you know, potentially having to go back and redo some things for compact, I, again, I'm getting ahead of myself when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you're going to get closer and closer to the point where Hard Rock doesn't have as much of a head start as it might have otherwise. Brad, I don't want to ignore our friends up north here that are listening to this podcast. And you posted a story today on kind of what things are looking like over in Ontario. Yeah, I mean, I would say the the general feeling towards Ontario is is a bit of frustration. Um, you know, when, when it was first legalised, I think a lot of operators were hoping to get live by the end of 2021. Um, and it sounds like, you know, that's that's definitely not going to happen. Um, it's going to be early 2022 at this point. And, and it sounds like nobody really knows when. Um, but we had some news that GAN, a, a platform provider, has signed a deal to launch with one of the top tier US operators. Um, and that narrowed it down to three, as, a, as I understood it, to BetMGM, FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, and it, it sounds like they're going to launch. Well, I, I would guess I would I would place my bets on FanDuel um, because that, that's basically how FanDuel went live in the US. They they used a GAN platform um, just to you know get going quickly, and then they gradually migrated over to their own platform. And and that's been obviously FanDuel was owned by Flutter, a huge global gambling company, and that's been their playbook in a lot of other markets around the world in Latin America, or whatever. They, they'll use a third party. PAM, player account management platform, and then work it out later. Um, so yeah, uh, it sounds like FanDuel will be going live um, in Ontario, but they don't want to admit it yet because they haven't got a license, and uh, I guess they don't want to they don't want to risk upsetting regulators by going. Yep, we'll be there. So if uh, so, our friends in Ontario that are listening right now, your best bet you're saying uh, sometime early 2021 is that kind of your guess? Early 2022, yeah. You, you, I mean, 2022, sorry, yes. sorry. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yes, yes, yeah. 2022. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it sounded like 
Sorry, go yeah, sorry, please. sorry, uh, sorry to my friends up north. I didn't mean to 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 do that to you. No, twenty twenty two. Yes. Oh yes, <laughs> um, yeah, and I would also say that you know some of the operators were complaining about that this week. Um, you know these delays because in the meanwhile you've got you've got some of the people live in the grey market who are continuing to take bets essentially while uh, what what or maybe you know the black market while they figure all this out and um, you know a lot of these US operators the likes of FanDuel points but points bet DraftKings are kind of sitting there twiddling their thumbs and uh, wishing they could be live. Adam, uh, take us home with uh, what's going on here in the uh, the great state of Nevada. I would say where you and I are, but, but you're not you're not here. I, I, I'm here. You're not here right now. So I'll just say where I am. Uh, can I kind of harken back to the, to the DFS days a little bit here and say that uh, Nevada had its own Billy maker? There you go. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. I'm done. Yes. I don't yes. need any more. No more news <laughs> to report. That's it. Uh, Nevada reported its October uh, revenue and handle numbers. And of course, with an extra NFL Sunday built in there, it was massive. Uh, $1.1 billion, uh, the second largest monthly handle reported by any jurisdiction in the legal sports betting era, only behind $1.3 billion from October in Jersey. Um, Revenue wasn't the best uh, for the sports books. Uh, it was about uh, 4.4%, so under the historical average. Um, football alone nearly set Nevada's monthly handle record. Uh, <laughs> like, football alone was in the $700 million range. And obviously, like we said, you get an extra NFL Sunday, an extra college football Saturday, it goes a long way uh, to helping out there. But I, I think what'll be really, and I mean really, really interesting is to see what it looks like next month. I think next month is going to be the banner month that Nevada advertises for a very long time to come. Yeah, yeah. Because, I was just yeah, about to because, bring that up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I'm Matt. I'm sure we're both about to bring that up um, yeah. because uh, you know, not not the most profitable month for the betters like you and me. Um, and so I'm sure, I'm sure revenue is going to bounce back quite handsomely in November. Yes, it was. I was going to say it, it did not shock me at all when you said that revenue was was not that great in October when everybody was uh, was fat and happy. Everyone that play, everyone that placed a bet in the whole month of October just won money. It didn't matter. You just had to click a button and you won money. It was it was fantastic. And then, uh, Brad, the NFL has a has a way of kind of has a way of getting back at you. And uh, yeah, these numbers, I imagine, coming out of, of November in what what one of the wackiest uh, months uh, that I can remember in the NFL season is probably going to be really, really, really amazing for most of these states, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it seems like every week we hear from, well, every week over the last month, we hear from bookmakers saying this is this is the best week ever. <laughs> I think I probably read that. I read that story three times in a row in November. So, um, I mean, it's 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 not, a an unimportant thing for these like Q4 Q4 numbers coming up. Um, obviously, all, all the gambling stocks are selling off at the minute, and I think some of that is is that poor hold at the end of Q3. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they've all cleaned up so far in um, in October. So you know, when when Q4 rolls around, you might you might have a, a nice little buy low opportunity getting before they report numbers because all these books are going to be holding. I would say 10, 10 plus percent on uh, NFL in in November. They got back. Uh... They got back more than 10% from me, my friends, <laughs> in November. Was, they got back more than 10% from me. Uh, that, that's for sure. So, yes, it will be a, it will be awesome. I, can, I really, truly, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I can't wait to see these numbers for November. I, I mean, every state is going to be like, 
I cannot believe how much money we made in November. It's yeah, we, well, we, well, we talk all we talk all about record handle all the time. Yeah. It's going to be time to talk about the revenue records in November. <laughs> it really is. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. Uh, guys, everything that we talk about here on the podcast, as always, you can find uh, in written form over on LegalSportsReport.com. Go, go in, take in all of the awesome words that are getting done by Adam and his team over there. If you were wondering, yes, Brad is as handsome in real life as his accent is over the podcast. So be sure and follow him on the Twitter machine at Brad Allen NFL at Adam Candy to ease no why. And if you hate yourself, you can follow me at Matt Brown. M2. For Brad, for Adam, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older. Like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.